Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, everyone? It's your boy, Hot Pocket, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. I've got a confession to make. Hi, I'm Noah, and I'm a rereader. A rereader, yes. Think about this. If you have a favorite restaurant, Taco Deli is, is mine. You keep going back to the same restaurant. So if you have a great book, why aren't you going back and getting more out of that great book? Hmm? For me, one of those books is The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. This is a dude who worked for Charlie Munger. If you haven't heard of Charlie Munger, he's Warren Buffett's right-hand man. And he helped 60 of the Fortune 500 companies with their sales processes and business procedures. So this is literally the best book you've never heard of. And what I'm going to do is save you a bunch of time from reading it, and I'm just going to give you all the golden nuggets you're going to need to really improve your business. So I actually bought this book, I don't know, six years ago, and it sat on my shelf for months, months. And it just, ah, the title, Ultimate Sales Machine, just sound cheesy. And finally, I was like, I got to just throw this book away, so I need to go read it. So I took the book on a plane, and I sat down on the plane, and I opened to the introduction, and literally the first page, I was like, okay, this is good. Then the next page, I highlighted stuff. This is good. And it was one of these books where like, I highlighted almost every single page. This book isn't just about sales. It's about kicking ass in business. So before we begin, I have something extra special. Unfortunately, Chet Holmes passed away, but his daughter Amanda is still around and a close friend of mine. So I texted her and I was like, hey, do you think you could share a story about your dad that no one's heard before? And so she did. Listen to this. My father, Chet Holmes, was great at giving people an experience, something that they'd never forget. That's what made him a great salesperson. That's what made him a great CEO and a fantastic father. I'll tell you one story that nobody knows. (laughs) So one time he met a woman that was blind and all her life she had wanted to drive and she had never been able to because she's blind. My father actually took her into his car and assisted her to drive his car (laughs) down the side of the road uh, and teach her how to drive because he wanted her to have that experience. So what can you do for your clients to just totally thrill them, take them completely out of the box, and give them something that they'll never forget? That was the gift that my father had. That was so special. I can't believe Amanda was able to do that for us and you guys got to enjoy it. There's three things that I super took away from this book, and I really want to share them with you. First off is productivity. Number two is how to 10x your business. And three is sales mastery. Let's get it on. Productivity. If you touch it, take action. Don't open that email. Realize this. If you're opening and closing emails and not doing anything about it, and you only waste you know maybe 15 minutes a day, it doesn't seem like a lot. That ends up being almost 100 hours a year. And that is one week of your life you've wasted not taking action. So you've got to work on your concentration. Concentration is like a muscle. The more you practice it, the stronger that muscle is going to get. So I've been doing this where if I open an email, I take action. So if you're not ready to do something about it, don't open the email. It'll save you a week of your life. So you're not double backing on all this stuff. Number two, keep a list. Reactive people don't. So I have a list that I do every single night. You can hear my note card. Uh, and I actually do it the night before. And I realized because in the morning I'd wake up and I have some like anxiety. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do today? Uh, and now I have my honey do list as my mom would call it. So my note card system is that at night I just say, well, what are the things I really, really want to do the next day? And I make a checklist and I put the date. So today I'm doing record Chet Holmes book report. 
Number two, Hebrew lesson. Number three, do legal work. Boo. And then I even put do uh, chess lessons in here. I'm going to go play some chess. But anyways, don't be reactive. Keep a list of the things you want to do. I do mine the night before on my note card system. Block number three. Block out time in your calendar for the activities you want to be proactive around. So regardless of your role, if you're in sales or if you're in support or whatever it is, you can be proactive. So here's my Sunday routine to actually making sure I get my stuff done. So if you have a goal for the year, break it down to a month, break it down to your week. And then what I do is that I create my list for the week and I actually put it in my calendar. Think about a skyscraper. Okay. You're like, okay, no, what the hell is a skyscraper to do? They don't just like put it up. It doesn't just magically Lego itself up. You have to take a large ass project and break it down to smaller chunks and build up to it. But you got to make sure that you allocate the time. So what I do on my Sunday routine is that I have three sections, work, workout, and personal. And so I review my previous week's stuff. And I send it to my buddy, Adam, from my body tutor. And I say, here's how I did last week. And I say, here are my things for this week that'll help me achieve my larger goals. So one of my goals is to get 100,000 downloads per podcast episode. So each week I have a task. So in work, one of my tasks would be get interviewed on someone else's show. And then what I do is that I actually put that time on my calendar. Go reach out to people during this one hour. So the biggest thing is that you got to say, what do I want to get done this week? And then put it in your calendar to make sure it gets done. Break it down to smaller chunks so the bite-sized things are able to be done. Next is Charlie Munger always had an agenda for his meetings and they were punctual. And so this is something that a lot of us, I think back in like junior high school or elementary school, have been like agendas. What is this, like a corporate bureaucracy? It's not about agendas. It's about streamlining and making your meetings efficient and less time-wasting. So I've actually been experimenting with this. Uh, About a week ago, I went camping with my friend Ian. And (laughs) I was like, hey, if we're going to go camping, why don't we have an agenda of what we want to talk about? And so he, I said, well, what are you interested in right now? What's on top of your mind? And then I did the same thing. And then we organized it. So we ended up talking about babies and relationships. And obviously, we talked about asset allocation, hashtag Jew life. (laughs) And it just made it a lot more fun conversation that we knew like, oh, here are topics that we can cover. And I've been doing this with other meetings, and it's made them a lot more productive. Part two, 10xing your business. A company that thinks like a small company remains small. Are you thinking big? I feel like that's like sumo big. And I, and I think this is such a strong point is that if you're thinking you can only be so much revenue, if you can only have so many people working with you, if you can only reach so many people, you're going to stay at that size. But if you actually say, well, if I had to be twice as large in the next month, what would I do differently? If the project that I thought would take a year, I had to do in one month, how would I do that differently? So start thinking in bigger scope. Here's a, a, a great tactic that Chet recommended and we actually implemented Get all your employees or teammates and ask every person in the company to give three examples of how to improve some aspect of your company. You can do this as a workshop or you can do this ongoing. So what we've done at sumo.com is we created CEO anytime. Have you ever been in a company and you're like, God, the CEO sucks. I could run this better. Yeah. And I know you have up in your earlobes. You're like, yeah, that's me. So that's exactly my point. So what we do is that we have a Google form that anyone can submit a CEO idea anytime. And this has produced some really promising results. We implemented a few weeks ago. And one of the things we already got was that someone suggested we should have more time for planning and improving company process, like actually having allocated time individually. And it's something that now we're going to be exploring. Another thing we've implemented uh, to start even thinking bigger as a company is that in our weekly Sumo leadership meetings, we do 1% ideas. So sometimes you got to go for large, massive changes in your business. But a lot of times, like a 1% improvement each week can add up. 
Like think about this mathematically. If you just improve 1% a week, after a year, it's because of the power of compounding, that's a 70% improvement in your business. 70%, just adding a little bit 1% each week and that compounds. So you're almost doubling your business just doing tiny things each week. So just continual improvement. So a few examples of our 1% ideas are, we ended up paying for Slack Pro, right? Which is kind of like, how's that a 1% idea? But it actually saved people a bunch of time from searching history and having other features that we needed of it. Other things was streamlining our weekly meetings because we used to have literally 30 people go through what they were doing and it took about 45 minutes and it's like, well, why don't we just have the team lead share a high level what's going on in each group? Another thing we did is like, well, why don't we have buddy system for new hires so that when they get onboarded uh, and they join the company, they have someone that can really show them the ropes and a bunch more. So think about adding 1% ideas to your business. Next up is having a process in place to hire 50 new people this week. Like, could you guys do that if you had to hire 50 people for your company this week? And then what if you had to do that every week? And again, this is that mindset. Like, all right, well, if I really wanted to go big, how am I thinking big and acting and doing big things for my business? So here's a few solutions for that. So the solution that we implemented and and I recommend is called SOP. Sounds like an SOB. (laughs) But no, an SOP is a standard operating procedure. And it sounds super fancy, but it's literally a Google Doc. And so what does that mean? right? So you can grow your business two ways. You can grow your business through hiring more people or adding technology. And with people, you need to actually standardize the information. That's what a standard operating procedure is so that you can make it repeatable. And as you hire more people, they can just follow the standard operating procedure. So for example, at Sumo, we have a sales Torah. You can call it a sales Bible, whatever you want. And this is a living Bible that gets updated regularly. And we actually have it for every single department. So in support, in marketing, in sales, in development. And it's an easy way to actually say, like, if you hired someone today, could they learn what needs to be done in one day? Because imagine Starbucks or these companies that hire thousands, tens of thousands of people. This is how they are able to hire so many people. They have standard procedures so that people can just come in and execute. So yeah, if you're like struggling to hire one person, imagine hiring 50, what would you need to be able to do that? And this SOP makes that easy. So standardizing the knowledge, here's like a few examples from our sales tour. We have opening lines. So if you're talking to a sales client, what are opening lines to discuss and ask them questions about? Number two, rebuttals. So when someone rejects us and say, well, the price is this, or your competitor does that, or I have this you know, service that I need help with, we have responses as well as we have like demo websites to show off. So if people are like, well, who else is using it? It's like, boom, we have a section for that. So SOPs are super important. Another critical part of an SOP and really being able to hire people and grow your business is including a checklist. So for example, in this podcast, we have one for every single episode and it's continually updated. That's a really key point. It's not just you have the standard operating procedure manual. It's like more acronyms. The point is that you actually keep seeing, well, that didn't work out. How can we improve it? Well, what if we added this and see what that happens to that? And you keep updating and iterating and improve it. And that's how you get the, the business to be growing. So for this episode, like we make sure we add it to my social accounts. And is the blog post written up? And then did Jason put it in Libsyn? And it has a due date and who's accountable. And the thing I really love about this is that it removes using energy on stuff that you shouldn't be thinking about. And it frees up that mind space to focus on higher value activities. So really go make checklists for different parts of your business. And lastly in 10xing your business is technology training is mandatory. So Chet actually talked about how he paid an expert to watch over his shoulder as he used a computer to increase his productivity. That is just so damn powerful. And I think 95% of people miss this. 
You should be paying to improve the tools you use daily. And I feel like I say this a lot and I'm trying to remind myself and hopefully like impart it on a few of y'all, but either pay for the best equipment possible if you're using your laptop or phone or let's say your construction work, get the best damn hammer or get better training for the tools and software that you're using often. For instance, one of my favorite things that I always encourage people to do, and this is actually one of my favorite interview questions, is learn to type faster, right? You're using a computer all day, and if you're typing slow, everything else subsequently gets slow. Think about it like a funnel. Like if at the top is really small and nothing can get through, everything below is going to get even smaller. So I'm recommending typingbolt.com. It's totally free, and I type 145 words per minute. See if you can beat me. Tweet me at Noah Kagan. Let me know how you did. Another thing that you can do, my buddy Charlie Hohen recommended, is shadow someone. So I've been wanting to learn FB ads for the podcast and for okdork.com. So I'm paying someone and I just kind of watch him run my ads and I see what he does. And you could do this for learning how to do film or whatever you're doing. Shadow someone while they work and this will literally produce returns for your lifetime. Section three, sales mastery. Educate your customers, don't sell them. I'm going to give you a fun game to do. If you're ever selling, and I don't think people realize you're selling all the time, whether you're just asking someone to go on a date or whether you're actually selling them a physical product or service, sales is almost in everything you do. So here's a fun game you can do. In the next conversation where you're trying to convince someone, get them to say, wow, I didn't know that. So why is that interesting? If you're educating someone, you're actually teaching them something they may not have known. And that phrase means that you've gotten them to think that. And education, it's not convincing them to believe what you believe. It's about getting them to believe it for themselves. And so educating them, it creates a sense of credibility and ultimately trust, right? So, so how can you even do this better? The best way that I found, and I really love this, and I want to remind this to you, is the best way to educate and convince someone is with stories. So show how someone did everything wrong, like everything went to crap, and then how they use probably your service or some way of solving it, and everything went right. Think about this. This is what like an amazing example of that. Why are all the diets and nutrition stuff, what do they always do in those? They always show you the story about Jane who was fat and struggling and life was hard. And after doing this diet or exercise or nutrition, they show an after story. And they do that because it works. Next time you're trying to educate someone, tell a story. Next up is have a unique angle in your business. Chet calls it a smoking gun against the competition. So here's a lawnmower example. Let's say that one of your customers is going to another provider or they're thinking about it. What you can say is with your unique angle is like, hey, you can go to another provider. Maybe they're a little bit cheaper, but you know that if they get injured, that you're actually liable because they probably don't have workers' compensation. So that unique angle, the customer never thought about it, but now they will, right? So find data or an angle that makes your product invaluable And so your opponent cannot win. So I personally call this creating your home field advantage or change the playing field. So if someone comes to you and is talking about price, change the playing field to something that you always win on. So here's an example that happened with me. I ran a payments company for Facebook games called Gambit. And we did really well. We powered all these major companies. And here's the two major things I did to have my unique angle and grow to 30 million in revenue in one year. First off, I showed how the competitors were screwing over the customers. So what I literally brought, I brought this piece of paper that had, here's your revenue with the competitors. Here's your revenue with the competitors. Here's your revenue with us. And I say, your competitors, they're literally stealing money from you. And if you use us, we're, we're like the Southwest of payments and you'll get a better margin. And here's how much more. And like, you can see the numbers. 
And it's like, we actually pushed that so hard that people were like, man, we're getting screwed by these guys. The second thing we did to really create a unique angle for us is we created a mock-up of how it looked to integrate our solution. So we created a visual experience for the customer. Visual is key. You can even create PowerPoints, but showing them like, wow, here's how it would look with Gambit. Man, that looks good. I want that. That was one of our unique angles. And those are the two things that really help us grow so quickly. Next up in sales mastery is going to be your dream 100. And I love this. And a lot of times people want to overcomplicate marketing. And I think this is the most elegant solution I've ever seen when people are starting out a business or even growing it. Just make a list of your target 100 customers. This is literally like a secret marketing hack. People are like, oh, how to do ads or PR or anything. No, just go old school. Even just use pen and paper. If not, use a Google spreadsheet and just make a list. All right, well, who are the 100 people that I can first hit up to sell this product? Do that. Literally, okay, 100 is a lot for you. Just do 10. But what this will do is it'll help you really know who exactly your customers are. And then all you have to do is either find a way to hit them up directly or even get a referral. And I love the Dream 100 list. So I've even done it for this podcast. I have my own list. I call it the unattainables. Uh, And it's my internal list of 100 people. I'm actually keep adding to it that I want to have featured and I want to chat with on the show and share their stories with you. And so I test different strategies to get a hold of them each week. It's one of my habits. So I'm trying to do referrals. Like I'm trying to get Tosh.0. So I hit up his agent. I'm trying to get Steve Ellis, the founder of Chipotle. So I've been just emailing him directly. I know you're watching, Steve. Uh, and you know, I'm even letting people know about it and I cold email them. So the point is, is that I have my own list, create your own list of your dream 100 clients or partners or affiliates, whatever it is, and go through one by one each week as well in sales mastery rejection is going to happen. So Chet actually said it takes 8.4 rejections to get a meeting. So what's critical here is you need to build in procedures. So people make multiple attempts. If you know that failure is going to happen and you can plan for it, that is how you can overcome it. One of my favorite quotes with this, my buddy Scott Britton taught me this is, persistence beats resistance. So you got to set your expectation how to be great at sales. You got to go towards the rejection. You got to celebrate it. Yay! I wish we had sounds here. Yeah! And you know it makes life easier. So if you know that each month you're going to have to follow up with people, perfect. Schedule that. Right? There are a bunch of tools even for sending emails that can help you automate a lot of the rejection. So if they don't respond, you can follow up with them. So that there's yeswear.com or outreach.io, that's what I use, that can help solve you for, that can help solve this for you automatically. Even my buddy JR, he's starting to sell films to local restaurants. Like he makes there's little documentaries about their business. And he said, "Hey man, this company rejected me." And I was like, "Yes, yes, now you're on the path." So, know that rejection is going to happen, schedule it, plan for it, and you're going to overcome it. With Sumo, we actually reject all of our salespeople in the final round. Yes, we do. So if you're applying, guess what? You got to follow up. So we don't respond. And you want people who really want something, the people who really follow up. So when I was even buying Sumo.com, a few of you guys have heard that story in one of the earlier episodes, I followed up for seven years. Or if you've seen the movie, The Notebook, you know the guy was really persistent as well. (laughs) Point being is that rejection is going to happen. So you've got to stay persistent. Following up, to continue that, following up is everything in sales. Following up is, frankly, everything in life. If you want to get what you want, you got to stay persistent and follow up with it. I actually had an amazing experience recently where I was doing recruiting, and I'm using a tool to track my emails. So I send an email, and I can see opens. And this blew my mind. 50% of my responses, meaning people responding back to me, were on the second email. 
So what the hell does that mean? Why is that interesting? That means that if I didn't email a second time to be like, hey, did you get this email? I would have never gotten these responses and I would never been able to hire some of the people we have. So when you're doing emails or sales or anything that you want, make sure to follow up. That's where a lot of the responses are going to come from and the results you want. Next is creating activities to connect yourself and your clients to each other. Your existing customers are your best salespeople, bar none. So the phrase that I love about this is called become the hub. A few months ago, I was visiting New York. And so I emailed a bunch of Sumo customers and a bunch of OK Dork readers. And I said, hey, I'm playing ping pong. Why don't you come hang out with me? And so I've had people apply and I chose a few of them. And what they got to do is they got free drinks, they got free ping pong, and they connected with other people. And what they do is then they're like, man, Noah is really cool. I like that guy. I like Sumo. I like what these do. And they like you even more. So connect your customers with other customers and become the hub or with your partners or whatever it is. So create events, create activities, sporting things, whatever it is. It doesn't have just be a happy hour. Do something fun. Like I've done, a, I did a chess meetup a few months ago too. Last thing, the killer closing question. And this is my personal favorite. Any reason you wouldn't make a purchase from us today? And what happens here? And this is, you can actually use this in a lot of different situations, but that is my favorite killer closing question in sales mastery is that, hey, is there any reason you're not going to hire me today? Is there any reason why you just wouldn't buy our product today? And they'll tell you why they won't. And the beauty is you can solve that. So if they say, hey, I'm not buying because of price, be like, well, help me understand why price is such an issue. Or I'm not hiring you today because I didn't think you have this skill. And then you can actually prove that you have that skill. So these were all the major golden nuggets I was able to take away from the ultimate sales machine. What I want you to do right now is go to okdork.com slash podcast slash 16. Do it on your phone, do it on your desktop, do it on your tablet, whatever the hell you're doing, and leave a comment about the one thing you took away from this episode. And I'm going to give 10 people the Ultimate Sales Machine books. I'm going to give away 10 copies. Is there any reason why you wouldn't leave a comment today? Let me know on Twitter and I'll solve that. All right, everyone, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. If you did, go text someone right now that you love them. I love you, dog. Let's have a barbecue. Secondly, I love feedback. Please let me know at Noah Kagan on Twitter. Uh, if you didn't leave the comment to win one of the books at okdork.com slash podcast slash 16, I want to know because I want to make the show better for you. I'm going to buy 10 people Chet's book. Number three, leave a review. Kind of like them. Just do it. Takes like two seconds. Makes my day. Brings double rainbows, triple rainbows. <laughs> and number four, have a wonderful day. What's your favorite kind of bread? <laughs> <laughs>